Check, check, check. Hey, what's up? You're listening to the Choke Artist Podcast. This is the very first one in a van, and it's 5.20 a.m. We're somewhere in, uh, are we in California? We're in Northern California. Northern California. I'm here with John from The Lunch, and uh, they're on tour with Invalids right now on the West Coast. And we're, uh, we're trying to stay awake. The sun's probably going to come up soon, and it's going to be uh, pretty fucked up. John, what's the name of the other band you play? Uh, it's called A God or Another. A God or Another. Okay, yes. cool. And that was the more heavier one you were yeah, saying? Yeah, it's like a kind of post-black metal project. Nice. Dark so, hardcore crossover kind of thing. But we pulled we pull influence from like all kinds of different genres and like, like metal in particular, but then, you know, we also all grew up listening to like prog and, you know, math rock and just all over the place so kind cool. of try to incorporate a little bit of everything like while still keeping it super heavy that's the way to do it mix it up and the lunch is you know uh, math rocky noodly post rocky some elements of post rock something say. like that I don't know the lunch is a little hard to categorize it's different than most bands in that genre yeah that we I definitely we have like a lot of math influence but I don't really consider us a math rock band like per se I think of it like more as like an, just kind of an art project, like an art rock band or something, you know? That's actually a good way to look at it. Yeah. We just do whatever the hell we want. <laughs> Don't worry about it. I mean, you have the TVs too and the VCR set up. It's pretty sweet. Uh, and all the tapes were from like stuff that you've dubbed or like collected over the years? That's right. So um, we have a couple of different approaches we take with the visuals that we do. have first of all these like videos that we've created where we've like edited things together like found footage that we have or like found weird videos on YouTube like things you know like I'll go on there's this website uh, that shows YouTube videos that only have like 10 or less views ever <laughs> and you find all kinds of weird shit super rare on there like, yeah. that nobody's ever seen you know uh, or like you know just classic uh, things like we'll edit you know, scenes from movies or like TV shows that we really like that are, we tend to pick the more bizarre things that, you know, kind of work together. I or like, I, I think I saw an Applebee's commercial. Oh yeah, so that's another one too that Mike made that like, we just took, uh, we downloaded like tons of commercials on YouTube and then we took out all the text. So like anytime text appears on the screen, you know, we just would take that out. So it's just like all this stock footage of like food appearing, you know? And like you just see people moving food around and yeah. you're looking at food and it's like professionally shot and it looks fantastic. It's just bizarre to see over and over and over While again. While watching a band. <laughs> it's um, cool though. So we do that and then we also have like this goodwill by our house. Well, by our houses, I should say. Um, it's like the goodwill outlet. And so they take all the stuff that they can't sell at the regular Goodwills and they just like throw it into troughs and people dig through the troughs and like you know it's just the weirdest crap there so we'll find these videos that are like you know how to maintain your lawnmower or like there's one that was about a, a Kirby vacuum where this woman like <laughs> shrinks down to the size of like an ant maybe and she's inside of her carpet and there's like germs all around her and she's like terrified <laughs> and it's all really bad CGI and it's super funny looking that's great <laughs> super surreal 
It's per, it's the perfect vibe for. I mean, I, I dug it when I watched you guys too, because you have like the different colored lights and like all that weird stuff going on. It definitely adds. Like as long as you have the commitment and heart to lug uh-huh. the TVs around, you know, that that'd be the one issue. But besides that, I mean, it all fits in the trailer. So yeah, we. So it's been nice. Like you know, we used to use just right. I mean, we have CRT TVs, but we would use like external VCRs. And that, like, each one, it seems like it wouldn't add that much setup time, but, like, troubleshooting those VCRs every night and, like, getting them all plugged in, all the, just a couple extra cables was, like, adding too much time. It was just awful. And, like, so we've been hunting down specifically the, like, combo units where all you have to do is put the tape in and hit play and, like, it's already on the yeah, TV. Yeah, it's on the TV. It's That's so easy. Yeah, it's so much better. Setting up a VCR in, in the year 2016... <laughs> It's only going to get harder over time, you know? Yeah. Super antiquated. <laughs> Can't get any repairmen to fix it. Were, were you saying that you found the last... Or, oh, no, you might have been talking about cassette players, but, like, they're really hard to come by on the internet, too. Yeah. Um, yeah, the reel is slowly dying. I I was, like, having trouble. So uh, I run a duplication uh, facility out of my studio in Olympia. Nice. Um, and so I make tapes and CDs. And my master tape deck, the right input channel on it, like, just fried. You know, we just released this new album, like, the other day. And, like, right as I was about to make the master tape is when it fried. And I I had to hunt down a machine. I, like, I went to all of the thrift stores and, like, bought these different tape machines that, like, all had different issues. Like, one wouldn't hold speed. You know, another one, like, had crackling that was happening on one yeah. of the channels the whole time. Damn. Uh, another one, like, the right channel didn't work, and it was just like, oh, man, like, it's just hard to find a machine that's in good shape. Luckily, Tyrell had one that, like, the speed was a little bit fast on it, but I was able to, like, find the schematic online and, like, figure out which trim pot it was and fix it to make the master. Oh, wow. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, mostly, I'm guessing you have to be pretty self-sufficient in repair on those things. But you're, you're a recording guy, so you know a lot about that stuff anyway, right? Yeah, I've gotten, like, pretty good about being able to fix electronic issues when they come up. I mean, there's definitely a limit to my knowledge, but I feel like as a studio owner, it's like a really crucial skill to have because things break, you know? Totally. Like, even if you take really good care of them, they'll still, it's just entropy and things fall apart as time goes along. Yeah. Yeah, you gotta know how to fix your own stuff, you know? I went to a teacher workshop and they uh, showed me how to fix all the musical instruments. I just sat with this fucking old music salesman for like an hour. Uh-huh. He gave me all the tips, tips of the trade, and it helped. You know, that like saves time. I don't have to wait a week to like for the repair shop to get it back to me, and I don't have to spend any money. You know, that's the way to do it. So, talk about your recording studio. Okay, so uh, yeah, I've been uh, running a recording studio in Olympia. It's called a Big Name Recording Studio. The tagline is "Why go to a big name when you can go to big name?" <laughs> um, and so I kind of catered to like middle ground musicians who like you know don't want to go to somebody who will do a whole recording for like a cheeseburger or something you know yeah but they also don't want to go somewhere where they're gonna have to spend you know five thousand dollars to record an ep and like not really even have it like mixed very well because they don't have enough money to like yeah it's it's (laughs) to play that game you need like i guess the support from a label or you just need to have like 10,000 yeah. words on money. So to much make, disposable income. To make an industry-sounding record. So, you know... I learned that the hard way yeah. <laughs> a few months ago. 
Um, so I've been operating for uh, about three years um, as like my primary source of income. Uh, you know, I, I do that full time. Um, and that's awesome. I was doing it before, like occasionally. That was while I was like still in school, and like I wasn't sure if I wanted to dedicate myself to it. And as time went along, I realized like I can do this full time and like make it work and live, which was. Olympia really helps with that because the cost of living there is like super cheap, so you don't have to like, you know, make too much money to be able to live comfortably there. Um, and there's a pretty big music scene. There is a huge music scene in Olympia. It's a really, really unique place. It has a huge like history of all these like really awesome like punk bands that have come out of there. Just a really, really cool DIY sort of. Place and it was pretty much the sister city to Seattle, I'm yeah. guessing, when like that grunge scene came up, and I'm sure there was a scene before that. Definitely, too. like uh, I, there's been all kind of like the Riot Girl scene came out of there too. And, oh yeah. Um, no now shit. there's like a, a, a specific. Well, there, there's like the Cascadian black metal scene. There's like a lot. Wolves in the Throne Room and Fauna are both from there, um, and they kind of like defined that whole genre. Uh, what else? There's like this hardcore, Olympia hardcore kind of sound that like, like loss and, um, Oh yeah. I knew from Olympia too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what I knew this system, and we were only there for like half a day, but it's the way from how you've been talking about it, it seems like a good fostering place for like different sounding shit. Yes. Like, stuff that you won't find in other, like kind of like art, like mm -hmm. art influenced. It's in definitely Even really... though all music is art -like. But you know what I mean? Yeah, they're really like people in Olympia in general are really open to all kinds of different stuff and like kind of just want to they want to go to a show and just like have a good time and hang out, you know, and like have it be a good atmosphere. Yeah, I mean, there's some crazy people that live in Olympia that like that's not really what they go for, but I mean, it's kinda, what, do, what do they go for? I don't know, just like to be violent, not, not violent, but like you know, just to be super rowdy and like you know, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, like, go to shows to mosh and fuck shit up. These kinds of people that they're just crazy, you know. And it's like, yeah. okay, you gotta go, buddy. <laughs> a lot of you're getting too many venues uh, shut down or <laughs> pissing promoters off. Yeah, um, but there's like that's everywhere though. There's a million bands in Olympia. Olympia is like a pretty small town, you know. Like I think it's a population around thirty thousand, and but oh wow, that is, that's very small. Like it's that. like in terms of how many bands are there, there's as many bands in Olympia probably as there are in like Seattle or in my experience, I used to live in San Francisco. There's like as many bands in San Francisco in Olympia, like even though San Francisco has like 800,000 people in it or something like that. It's like, yeah. but I mean, and, and San Francisco, like one of the reasons that I wanted to stay in Olympia once I moved up there was like, again, cost of living. Like a lot of musicians are, I've noticed, well, as time has gone along, like, getting driven out of San Francisco, it's been so expensive for so long now. Yeah. Like, when I was there, it was it was possible to, like, do it and not make that much money and, like, you know, live, but... It got harder over time. All of my friends have either, like, given up music and gotten tech jobs or, like, <laughs> they've moved, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's really cool that you're self-sufficient doing music stuff, which is what you want to do. Hell yeah. In Olympia. <laughs> It seems like a good place to do it. You're saying most people are in a band pretty much, right? Like, it really is like that. And, <laughs> like, I, almost everyone I know, I mean, I guess I, like, I do music, like, all the time. So, of course, most of the people that I'm going to associate with are musicians. But, like, it feels like even when I meet people that I've never met before and it's not through music, 
we'll end up talking about music. It's like, oh yeah, I'm in this band. It's like, oh, I know that band. Like, uh, <laughs> it's a pretty small town, and everybody's, you know, you see flyers everywhere. And, That's cool. You know, you'll go to the, the show and sees all like bands you've heard of. And, yeah. I don't know, just everybody knows everybody, pretty much. But it can be clicky at times too. You were saying it can. Yeah, I mean, like, I don't know. There's some sometimes where I'm a little turned off by like some of what I see just with certain hipsterness yeah like, like pretentiousness some of that but I think that's everywhere though people get weird with their music like they want to own certain things uh-huh. like, they want to dress apart I don't know I'm pretty sure like 90% of the podcasts that we'll do with bands it'll that'll come up like yeah the scene's kind of clicky yeah. <laughs> people will just be like kind of shitty about that which sucks but uh, I guess as long as people are playing music. Yeah. See, it's a hard line for me because I want, as like a, I guess a music educator or whatever, I want as many people to play music as possible. But then like in New Jersey, there's like a lot of, not a lot, there's a lot of people doing very cool stuff, but there's another circle of just homogeny, like people kind of just trying to sound like the coolest pop punk band or like, you know, just trying to play metalcore riffs without really pushing the sound. And it doesn't have, like, that... Like, there's... Even from the shows we played on the West Coast so far, I've noticed that there's more originality and, like, not adhering to, like, a thing. Which, that, that still exists in Jersey. And there's a cool underground scene, but there's a whole other layer of just, like, I guess basic people, which is kind of shitty to say, but... And this one kid in a pizza shop said to me, yeah, man, I'm in a band, like, we don't have recordings, but add us on Instagram and Facebook. I'm like, why the fuck would I do that? Like... <laughs> Why do I want to follow your band on social media before you don't have any real content? And based on what you told me about your band, it's not something I want to hear anyway. Mm. You know? An original blend of pop punk and hardcore isn't really <laughs> an original blend anymore. Yeah. It's it's been done, you know. It's been done for uh, yeah, like what two decades. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> seriously. <laughs> You're not gonna reinvent the wheel with that stuff. If at the best, you'll be like a lesser version of the bands you're ripping off, you know. So I, I really like appreciate that you guys do your own thing and like you get fucking weird. You have TVs and you noodle around and it's cool, you know. It's different. It's refreshing to like tour and see different stuff too. Yeah, all the bands we played with so far, really cool in my opinion. Yeah, I'm and tomorrow is to... a banger. Yeah, yeah. hell yeah. Covenant Floral. Yeah. So the launch invalids Covenant Floral at what's the venue? The, the Honey Hive Gallery. The Honey Hive Gallery. In Sunset, San Francisco. San Francisco. That right would... by the beach. Oh really? Yeah. Oh awesome. I had no idea we were coming close to the beach. Mm-hmm. It's wait, it's August fifth and I haven't gone swimming yet in any way this summer. Which is fucked up, I think. <laughs> I haven't jumped in any pools. Oh man, you're missing out. Yeah. It's technically August 6th now because it's 5.30 a.m. That's true. It is definitely today now. Mount- mountain time. <laughs> Sun's about to come up. Are we in mountain time? No, this is uh, Pacific Standard. Wait, so is that an hour earlier than mountain time? Or? Uh, one hour... Um, one hour less. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Cool. And But Olympia's in what time zone? Same one. Pacific. Oh, okay, cool. So yeah, it's oh, like when you get in Montana time. and like, like midway through Montana and south of there is like where the divider is. Okay. So like Colorado and. I'm probably thinking when we landed in Phoenix, Wyoming. we might have been in Mountain Time I still. Think, yeah, I think so. That's what probably threw me off. I don't know that for sure, <laughs> but I, I think so. I don't know anything about this area. It's insane to me. 
like, you know, I've been touring since I was like 18 or like booking tours, so my geography of like the Midwest over is pretty solid. Uh-huh. Having like a, a strange enough obsession with maps in high school to uh-huh. like route tours like in between classes, during classes. Um, but over here, I don't know, I don't even know what city we're going to, because you booked all this tour, you and Mike pretty much? Most of it, I did. I don't know, I probably did like seven of the days or something like that. Okay. Uh, Mike did a few, and then Pete did a few too. Oh, right on, yeah. So, yeah, you have, you guys have a good layout. Pete lived over here too for a bit, or at least like... Well, yeah, he did live in California. Yeah, he lived in California and uh, Oregon also. Yeah, pretty cool. And we stopped in Corvallis today where he went to school. Yeah, that was, that was good stuff. But uh, this is all new and exciting to me. I think for all of us, it's pretty cool. The West Coast is pretty cool. I have the opposite thing where, like, <laughs> oh, yeah, weed. Weed, California. Weed, weed, next three exits. Weed, that's the name of the town? Yeah. Weed, California? Yeah. Oh, wow. They have uh, all kinds of ridiculous merchandise at all the gas stations. Like. <laughs> it's. I think shit like that is helping it get legal because it kind of normalizes it, I guess. <laughs> but it's crazy. We were talking before about how... Medical's been legal in California for the longest, right? I think so. But recreational still isn't yet. And it has been in other places. Yeah, it's one nice thing about Washington and Oregon, too. Like, but just, I don't know. I like living in a place where I know, even though, I like, I mean, I don't really indulge very often, but it's like, I think that the drug war is ridiculous. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, it's a step in the right direction that people are not going to be getting thrown in prison for having you know a dime bag yeah at least for like I, I think weed stuff yeah you know I don't think heroin should, like there's like libertarianism that like yeah. oh do heroin it's fine America be free <laughs> I think that you're saying there's a huge heroin problem in uh Olympia, in Olympia right in Seattle it's a big thing in the Pacific Northwest which oh. is kind of sad um yeah you know, it's not really in the music scene, which is nice. I don't really encounter it that much with, like, the people that I actually, like, interact with frequently. Um, That's good. Yeah. But, like, yeah, I mean, Seattle's crazy. You'll just be, like, walking down the street, and you look in, like, uh, whatever those things are called, like, the kind of porch of a shop or whatever, and, like, there's just somebody there, like, shooting up, and they're uh, loving it, you know? Yeah. And it's, like, just out in the open. Or you'll be walking around, and there's, like, needles, like, just on the ground, you know? been used and it's like oh man that's kind of sad and yeah it's gross too. not sanitary <laughs> and those are like it sucks that they're addicted but they'll, they'll be very self-centered all they want to do is get their next fix of drugs yeah you know? so they are pieces of shit also at the same time that's true i've definitely known a couple of people that like have been lost to it i i don't know anybody yeah. who's like od'd or anything luckily but like yeah i, I know people friends of friends that have od'd but yeah. I, I had friends that were hooked and it's a motherfucker yeah dude like i mean definitely people that they get they get on it and then they start like stealing shit yeah try to fund their habit you know because it's expensive sure jersey has a bad problem with it too not really in really? any cities at all here but like in like a lot of like the kind of like suburban rural areas uh-huh. where like it's actually like in a few places, like cities surrounding where I am. It's probably happening in New Brunswick as well, because that's a that city has more crime than the others. But it's also just a lot of just white people that are like just got nothing to do, like in the uh, suburbs and in, even in some like upper class suburbs. It's it's fucking weird, man. And then like you're hooked, you know. I think people get hooked on pills first. Oh yeah, painkillers. 
which is a oxycon man yeah that yeah. one which is why we could be legal because then you don't have to fucking pump <laughs> oxycon and get hooked and then go to heroin because it's cheaper or whatever yeah. I don't know can't get a script doctors will write scripts quickly you know to get paid at least over by us just so weird how like you know one of the most addictive like types of drugs is like just prescribed out like willy nilly you know yeah yeah it's, it gets abused pretty, pretty easily yeah I don't know there's the South Weed Boulevard <laughs> weed I'm sure there's gotta be a bunch of terrible merchandise oh yeah maybe on the way back up we should stop there yeah I'm fine with that take a funny picture yeah, they've got, like, signs everywhere. <laughs> so in Olympia, what's, like... We were talking about music menus, I think, the other day, but where, where are the cooler places to play? Okay, so there's a couple of houses. The houses are always changing, you know? Yeah, um, it's tough get, to find one that... I think that first show we played was in Seattle. Was that house's last show? It, for now, yeah. Oh, okay. They're, uh, they're trying to take a break because, like, they feel like they've been, uh, I don't know given their neighbors like too much to deal with lately so they're gonna take some time off yeah the anthill is like my probably my favorite seattle venue that was really an awesome show it, it was, was great sick. um oh, they were talking that like the neighbors are mad if people would sit outside and smoke cigarettes yeah it was more just the smell of the smoke that bothered them oh, i think okay they yeah saying? wait um, did they mean they're upstairs neighbors or like, like people across the street did you see how there was like that uh, there was like a next door house that it was basically just like a big wall like oh, right okay. behind the house I didn't even see that so um, I, I get it if people are allowed and stinking up the place yeah especially if you, I don't know if they are but like if you're like allergic to smoke or whatever that could, that's possible right aren't people some people are allergic to cigarette smoke yeah like tobacco <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, that could be really bad if it was just like you couldn't get away from it in your own home you know yeah sure um, it does running house shows does like have a grueling effect on people nearby. Yeah. If it's like, if it's causing issues like that, it doesn't always, but, but yeah. Uh, what's it like in Olympia? Like, uh, you're okay. saying it changes over a bit? Yeah, there's a lot of house venues, you know, that like, as time goes along, you know, it's a college town, so people want to host parties, and you know, they like move into these places, and they live there for a while, and then they move out, and like, you know, the place closes down and another house venue opens up and there's like awesome ones that come and go um there's some really cool bars in olympia too there's like one all ages venue that i really appreciate the fact that it exists sure um because they'll let anybody play basically they'll let anybody book a show and so like you know people who don't really have a lot of experience can like get their foot in the door and like learn how to play a show you know is it just the venue or do they supplement their money a different way it's a it's kind of an annoying place because like okay so what they do is they have two shows every night um they have an early show that's all ages and then a late show and the late show starts at 10 the early show starts at six okay um and they don't provide a door person and they don't provide a sound person so it's just basically you know you book it you just book a day and one of the time slots and then they just say you take care of yourself like do whatever you is know. anyone there to oversee it though or? no not really oh wow and the employees don't care they yeah. don't care about anything about the shows so um it can be kind of a disaster sometimes like when the early show doesn't know about that and there's like another show afterwards and people start showing up and they're like what's going on what do you mean it's double booked like you know yeah 
Um, and it runs late because they don't have a sound guy. Yeah. So help and, and, and yeah, like touring bands come through and they're like, what do you mean there's no door person? Like, how are we supposed to charge? <laughs> Who's going to do it? Yeah. You know? Or, <laughs> you know, but it, it's great that it's, at least there is one all-ages venue that's like a space that's not ever going to get shut down. I'm glad yeah. that that happens. Do they take a cut of your money? or No, they just let you do whatever you want with that's the door. Like, so wait, who owns, like, why is the person that owns it, why are they doing it? Oh, it's also a bar, so. Oh, yeah. okay. The, okay. The, the all, the, there's an all-ages show and then the late show is like 21 show. plus. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Um, yeah, I don't, it, there's always got to be something. <laughs> so, so that place is kind of weird. But then there's, there's two bars in particular that are like the super cool ones. Um, there's one called Cryptotropa, which uh, it opened right when I first moved to Olympia, and I was like one of the first people that was like going there with my friends like regularly when nobody went there. And Were so they doing I'm shows there that. at that point? Or? No, not yet. So, um, it, so that bar is like people call it the goth bar, the vampire bar, the dark bar. <laughs> All the walls, okay, so it's owned by this guy, there's this Olympia legend, his name's Dwayne, they call him the Dark Dentist. And the Dark Dentist? The Dark Dentist. Okay. So what he does is, uh, he's like, uh, he invests in properties, and so he buys houses around Olympia, mostly houses. Was he like a part of the scene? Is he like... uh, Not really, he doesn't have anything to do with like okay. the music scene, <laughs> um, other than having Crypto Trouble, which now has shows, but, so yeah. he buys these houses, paints them black, and then, like, doesn't maintain them, just doesn't give a fuck about the houses, just rents them out to, like, college students, you know? Yeah. Um, and he, there's all these, they're like... Is he actually a dentist, too? He, I, as far as I know, that's true. Okay. <laughs> a dentist slash, like, landlord. Yeah. Okay. Um, it's a weird so, combo. So he has this, he has Cryptotropa, and, like, that place is, all the walls inside are black. You know, it's, like, totally dark, just, like, these low red lights... Uh, they have like a free jukebox with like obscure black metal and industrial music on it. Yeah. You know, just like weird stuff. And like old prog too, like there's some Pink Floyd on there and like, I don't know. And they make like fancy mixed drinks that, you know, like they'll, they'll infuse the alcohol with like, I don't know, ginger or like various flowers cool. and like the, the bartenders there like really take pride in what they do and uh, make these really interesting drinks. So, like, they all have their own, like, specials that they do. Oh, wow. Um, That's a, it sounds like it's got a lot of character. It does. It's a really cool, cool bar. They have, like, a sculpture of Satan, you know? Yeah. Uh, they have, like, an autopsy table that, like, sits there. They have tables that are made of, like, old decommissioned bombs. And, oh, like, sick. <laughs> we're not playing there, right? No. No. If, if we have time, I'd love to go. And oh, yeah. Just hang there or something. Yeah. They also have like the cheapest drinks in town, especially during happy hour, which is really cool. It's just like a really cool bar overall, and like the employees are all super chill, and they play in uh, some bands that like I uh, play with my other band with, like um, like we played with uh, Fauna, which I mentioned earlier. We played with Wolf in the Throne Room. Uh, although they, so that's the other bar. I'm getting ahead of myself. The the other bar is directly across the street. The other cool one, it's called Obsidian. And, uh, is this like a downtown area? Yeah, this is like downtown. Downtown in Olympia is funny because it's like four blocks by two blocks. Like, that's it. <laughs> and it's all, they, they don't let any like corporate chains in. It's like only local businesses in that area, which I think is really cool. Yeah. Um, so oh, you were saying you said one Starbucks. Right? Yeah, there's one Starbucks that got through. So that's no, acceptable. I think right? It's probably, I think because it's like, that's a Seattle chain, I, I guess, say, is probably yeah. what their reasoning is. Um, but yeah, so Obsidian is owned by uh, Nathan from Wolves in the Throne Room, um, and 
it used to be a bar called Jezebel's, which was like the worst, scummiest bar in town. You know, just the kind of place where like, I don't know, there's jizz stained pool tables, like <laughs> in a, a bowl, you know, a riding bowl. Never toilet paper in the bathroom. Yeah, it's just uh, it's uh, all the shit, yeah. such a gross place. Um, so he, he bought that bar with like uh, another guy. I don't remember who that is, but, um, and they like, they turned it around. They made it all nice and they like built the best stage and sound system in Olympia there. And most of the time it's like a 21 plus venue, but they do do all ages shows occasionally. You can book it that way. Um, but that, that place is really cool and I'm glad that like it exists now. Uh, cool. Cause man, that bar was just, just terrible before. Yeah. <laughs> they really made some, it better. Some good people got a hold of it. And it's funny too. Cause like, you know, the, they open that bar and they're like friends with the bar that's directly across the street that like also caters to a similar crowd. But like, they're kind of, they're all friends and like they kind of, you know, uh, they're all supportive of each other. Like, that's awesome. And, and they say that it like actually has made business better to like have options next to each other. Cause I'm people sure. go back and forth. Yeah, they'll hang out on both. Yeah. yeah. Just, it'll make more people flock to that area, mm-hmm. you know? I think in New Jersey, the if there were two competing venues or like bar slash music venues, it just turned into like a brawl. <laughs> a bunch of dudes and chicks cursing each other out. Oh no. <laughs> yeah, but it's, I think just Jersey's like so densely populated that there's just always like that competitiveness and it's hard to build a community at times uh-huh. and shit like that. But yeah, definitely, I want to check that uh, spot out. Oh yeah, we should totally go. I know you talked about it before, but can you talk a little bit about um, playing in Indonesia? Oh, yeah. Because that's just <laughs> such a fucking absurd story. Yeah. It was, uh, you get called in for a gig, like, three weeks before, you said? Three, four weeks? Uh, yeah, okay, so I played with a god or another. We played a show at Cryptotropa um, with Abigail Williams, which it's funny that we played there um, with them because uh, Ken from Abigail Williams actually lived... They have apartments upstairs that are like kind of hidden away, and I don't think there's any windows. Like, you know, it's just kind of a strange, strange building overall. But he he lived there, and it was like the last show of a tour that they were doing, just like you know the return home show. Um, and I don't know, we like played together, and then like maybe two weeks later after that, um, I got a message that was asking me if I wanted to fill in at a fest in Indonesia, like you know expenses all covered. Uh, just like to play with them, and I was like, "Oh, fest, yeah! I mean, why not? I can be cool, you know. I'll learn how to play their songs. I can play that stuff. Yeah, if they're paying for a plane ticket, it's totally worth the experience <laughs> yeah. to like go to a new country. Um, Did you? You didn't really know these guys? No, I, I had never actually like talked to any of them before. Uh, we like, you know, we said hello at the first show, and like just kind of made small talk a little bit, but like. At that particular show, I don't know, I wasn't feeling very social and just like, sure, it's kind of doing my own thing. It happens. Um, yeah. You sometimes can't always, you know, be totally yeah. extroverted. Totally. Uh, <laughs> so, so yeah, those guys like hit me up and asked if I wanted to go do it. And I was like, oh yeah, fest, you know, that's probably going to be like a room with maybe, maybe a couple hundred people in it or something like that. You know? Yeah. That's kind of what I picture when I hear the word fest. Uh, not like, you know, major festival which is what it ended up being so we practiced like three times as a whole group um and half an hour worth of material 
material? Yeah, it was, uh, well, actually, you know, we had an hour set that we were going to play. Oh, because you guys headlined. Yeah, right? we headlined this festival. <laughs> That's so nuts. Um, and, yeah, like, so we flew out there. It was 12 hours to get to Taiwan. We had a five-hour layover. And then it was seven hours to get to Jakarta. And then another, like, three and a half hours to get to Bandung from Jakarta by the road, which, uh... I don't even know where most of those places are on a map, but... <laughs> so you drove to Jakarta from where? Uh, so we flew to Jakarta from Taiwan. Okay. And then from Jakarta, um, we drove to the place, uh, Bandung, this city where the festival was. Cool. Um, and it's called Sonic Fair. Um... The roads were terrible. The roads were terrible. It took about three and a half hours to go, like, 25 miles, I think. Oh, wow. Um... Because of like it was like conditions or like no signs. It, uh, you know, it was mostly like traffic. Okay. Um, there was a lot of traffic. The roads were just kind of crappy, and also the vehicle like that we were in just like wasn't very powerful. You know, it was like just kind of a lot of crappy cars around and stuff. But essentially a golf cart. Yeah, it was kind of like that. It was like a golf oh, cart man. van. You know. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they picked us up and they they picked us up at the airport, and that was really interesting because they just kind of like. We got to the airport, we land, uh, we pick up our bags, and then we're like, all right, we gotta go to customs. And there's like a guy there who's like, we, we, we see a, our name on a sign, we go talk to him, we're like, oh, hey, how's it going? He said, oh yeah, come with me. And he like hands somebody like the equivalent of 20 bucks, and they just kind of like wave us past customs, like not even trying to look at it. They didn't like even stamp our passports and stuff. It was yeah. just like, yeah, you know, whatever, come on in. It's got paid we off. just got straight into a van and we're like headed away and I'm like, we didn't go through any kind of like <laughs> official process whatsoever. That's great. What's uh, up, Ray? Good morning. <laughs> um, so yeah, we, we basically were there for about 36 hours uh, and so the very first thing we did, we went to these like caves on the way that were like World War II caves where battles were fought and like thousands of people in these caves were like stabbed to death during the war. Wow. It's like really close quarters. They weren't even like using guns. Yeah. It's like just really bizarre. That's gore. That's metal. That's appropriate. It, it was pretty metal, yeah. And there were like monkeys all around the place and like none of the other guys had ever been anywhere where, uh, you know, like wild monkeys live. So they were all like freaking out. It was like, yeah. oh my God, monkeys. <laughs> They're so human. And they are. They're just like sitting there, like looking at you, <laughs> sizing like, you up. You know, they're like eating food that they find, and you know, just like a human. It's like kind of weird, but it, it's cool. But like the locals, they all just see them like we see like squirrels or you know, rats True, yeah. or something. They're just animals. Yeah, <laughs> so, very smart ones. Um, you know, so so we get to this, we get to the venue, and I, like I said before, I thought it was going to be maybe a couple hundred people or something like that. And we get there, and it's like a major festival stage, 5,000 capacity, sold out venue. And I was like, headlining the gig. Headlining. And I was like, oh shit, what did I get myself into? It was like 10 times larger than any show I think I'd ever played before, roughly. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And it was material that, like, I I didn't have, you know, a very. I mean, I practiced a lot because I wanted it to go well, but like. I don't know, I wasn't super comfortable with it. I knew all of it, but it wasn't like natural to me yet. Yeah, so it's really in a big room. It was really in my head for the whole show. Uh, you know, just like trying to get through it. Yeah, we, you, had, you had such short notice about yeah. it. Three practices. <laughs> Three practices. Uh, hour long set. Um, yeah. Which we didn't even end up playing all the songs that we had practiced. 
you know, that I'd worked all this time on. I was like, man, I wish I had known that we were only going to play like five of the songs because <laughs> I would have just dedicated myself to those ones and gotten really good at them. Sure. You know, um, but yeah, our like, we brought our own front house engineer and she did a great job. Uh, but the monitoring engineer was like some Indonesian guy who didn't speak a word of English. And uh, our monitoring situation was totally fucked up. It was like just all I could hear was drums. I literally couldn't hear any bass drum, uh, bass guitar, or vocals. That is so terrifying. I could just like I could just see them like playing their parts and like cueing me when to start the songs, basically. But yeah, yeah, all I could hear was like kick drum, snare, and toms. It's already hard to communicate with a sound guy always, but the language barrier must make it much harder. So Ken, the the front man of Abigail Williams. you know, like it's really his project. Like he, he was so pissed that he could only hear his guitar and his vocals. His vocals were so loud, and like his preference when he plays those kinds of shows is just not to use monitors at all. But we like couldn't communicate that to the guy, so we said, "Oh, screw it, we'll just play with him." Um, so we start playing, and during the first song, I could see him like like starting to just like get really agitated, and he's like pointing his finger at the monitor, pointing his finger at the guitar. And then, like, making a down gesture, like, very clear, like, turn no matter if you don't speak down. English, yeah. turn the guitar down in the monitor, like, <laughs> I can't hear anything else, turn it down, like, just over and over again. And the guy just, like, shrugs his shoulders, I'm, like, looking over at him, he's, like, clearly saying oh, with his man. body, like, I have no idea what you're trying to tell me, <laughs> and I'm not really going to make the effort to try to figure it out. Completely tapped out, yeah. <laughs> um, oh, that sucks. So, he, like, ran over there, and he's, like, turn the guitar down, the guy's just... I don't know what you're telling me, you know, so we just ended up like dealing with it. It sounded okay still? Yeah. At least you said your friend doing the mix. I, yeah. She said it sounded good out there. That's good. Um, and I, I think... That would make me feel uneasy at least <laughs> the whole time. If I could only hear my drums and no one else, like the whole I, band can only hear themselves. I, I honestly have no idea how anybody else did at that show. I just have no idea. Yeah. No conception. <laughs> and that was, that was interesting too, because like we played the backing tracks, so I was like, you know, playing to the click and like... I've done that a lot in studio, but I've never done that with a live project before, so that was kind of new territory for me, and then to do that in front of so many people for the very first time was also a little nerve-wracking. Yeah, <laughs> that's a lot to take on. Um, and the set got cut short because it became prayer hour? Yeah, it was like, saying? called a prayer, so we get like five songs in, and this guy runs out on the stage, and he goes, you gotta stop playing, you gotta stop playing, and we're like, why, what's going on? And he says, it's called a prayer. You can't play during Call to Prayer. It's illegal. And we're like, oh, shit. Okay. Uh, like, are we done then? And he said, no. You can finish your set when, when the Call to Prayer is over. And we said, how long is it? He said, an hour. And we are like, oh, well, we only have like two songs left, so I don't point, think we really want to wait an hour and then like play, play two, more, two more songs. So did everyone in the venue start praying? Yeah. Like, I mean, okay, so most of the people that are like at the show, like, they don't care, you know? Yeah. It's a... They, but they're also like very respectful of like the religion you know like in general I guess so what they, religion was it? Uh, they, uh, Islam so they, they okay. were, there's like heavy Muslim population there that like I guess is embedded in the laws of the country sure um, it's not like Sharia law or anything but you know yeah they still um, have it yeah so so we just like stopped and uh, so after the call to prayer we were told we were told originally that we were going to do a meet and greet that was like we were told we'd get some beer and we would hang out in a tent, and like fans would come People in. People would walk up and they chat with us. At their own well, yeah. sure. You know? And uh, so once the call of prayer was over, our, our guide guy comes in and he goes, All right, guys, time for the meet and greet. And he brings us over to where we're supposed to be. And it's like this other stage that they've built 
where like they give us all microphones and they have us over the mains on the PA, like, and they're doing an interview with us where they're like, that's a panel. That's through, a, yeah, yeah, that's totally like you know through through a translator too, and like fans are asking questions, and like you know me and uh, me and the bassist, you know we were just filling in, so we didn't that sucks, we didn't yeah. talk because it's not our place, you know. Sure. Uh, but there was a translator as well. Yeah, there's a translator, and, and so down. so there's some kind of like odd probably miscommunications at some points you know but uh but it was just really just really bizarre to like and there were like so many cameras pointed at me you know and then once we were done people were like grabbing me and taking photos with me and like asking me to sign stuff and i like that you know i'm like i'm not even in this band you know like this merch that i'm signing is like the only stuff that's ever gonna have my name on it with this band (laughs) (laughs) it's really weird um Indonesian rock star. Yeah, just for like a couple hours, I got that treatment. Was... I think a lot of people are just stoked on American culture uh-huh. in other countries. It's so, I guess, foreign to them and, and cool. Yeah. But um, that's awesome. It was quite an experience. I mean, I don't know. I don't know about like when I'll ever get an opportunity like that again. I hope I hope more come my way as time goes along. But yeah, <laughs> you can totally play in Canada. You get to Vancouver. I'm sure it's like six hours from Olympia. Actually, maybe more. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know exactly. But Asia and Europe is a whole different thing, you know. Yeah. So the guy who set that, the guy who was our guide, his name um, was Fami. He. Uh, the band got it through their management, right? Yeah. The headliner drop. Yeah, I don't remember who the headliner was. It was like some major mainstream metal band, and uh, yeah, they dropped off like last minute, like three weeks before the festival, and so. Uh, the management group, yeah, that they shared, like, then was like, well, who else on our roster can play this? Like, oh, I guess Abigail can, you know, so they had them do it. Um, but yeah, so the guy who was, like, our guide, uh, we talked to him a lot about our band, A God or Another, um, and he wants us to come back and, like, do a tour through there, like, with him acting as our guide again, like, cool. driving around the country and... Uh, Sounds good. I really want to do that eventually, but I don't think that that, like I said, I don't think I said this on the podcast, but, uh, like, two of my bandmates don't have passports, and for some reason, like, it doesn't seem to be a priority of theirs at all, even though we've talked a lot about playing Canada. Yeah. Um, And we have bands from Canada that, like, tell us every time we play with them, like, please come up and play with us at home. (laughs) You can come up and use all our gear if you want to. Like, don't even have to bring it, you know? Perfect setup. Which is what the lunch is doing for Invalids right now. Oh, yeah. Which is fucking sweet. This tour, uh, yeah, I think it's worked out. Uh, The the logistics of it are pretty cool. Yeah, the two shows have both been cool, you know? You guys uh, got a little bit more of a draw than we do since nobody's ever heard of us. <laughs> well, how long has the lunch been a band? We've been a band for about two years. Oh, um, but, like, we've really... We haven't played out of Olympia much. Like, at, at first it was kind of just, like, a project that we were doing for fun that was, like, you know, let's just, like, play Olympia house parties and have a good time, you know? And, like, just, I don't know, get to know people around the area. It's yeah. kind of... I kind of, like use uh the bands that i play in as like a good way to you know meet people and get bands into the studio and like you know have material that people then can hear and be like oh yeah i want to work with this guy like that sounds good definitely that's definitely a great way Um, plus it's fun yeah yeah but i'm really glad like that this happened you know uh that, that we're doing this tour i definitely want to do like more playing out with this project yeah 
what was, you guys just released a new record the day the tour started? Yeah. Right? So what? yeah, we tried. Well, it was like when Pete asked, like, so I saw Invalis play in Denver uh, last year on your tour, and uh, I remember telling Pete at the time, like, kind of half jokingly, but like also like totally down if it was ever really in the cards. Sure. Like, oh yeah, if you guys ever want to come to you know Washington and do a West Coast tour and yeah. use our van and use all our gear and we'll play together like let's fucking do it and uh, it was four months ago Pete was like hey do you actually want to do that? <laughs> I was like fuck yeah! Let's make it happen Let's yeah. do it! <laughs> nice Here we are And it really happened Yeah <laughs> It's been really good so far What's the name of the new album? So our first EP that we put out was called Thinking About Stuff and the follow up that's the full length is called Doing Stuff Nice. <laughs> I don't know what we're going to call the next one. Maybe things have been done or something. <laughs> you need to continue the storyline yeah. of the saga, you know? Uh, so it's like, uh, it's an 11-track album. The uh, tape has one additional, like, you know, hidden track kind of thing that we put on it. Um, oh, the crank phone call, right? Yeah, so... Perfect. We <laughs> called this guy that we know through the internet. <laughs> yeah, don't you give this dude's number out a lot. Yeah, okay, so on our B-side of our first release, uh, we had, like, an exclusive track on there, and the first thing that it says is, uh, if you're the 23rd caller to this phone number, and then it says the phone number, you will receive free the lunch merchandise. <laughs> call now. Uh, you know, just clowning on the guy because he's, you know, it's fun. I, I, was telling you, I have a friend from home that would do that too, <laughs> as well. So, and uh, you know, so, so he's been getting calls that we put that out about a year ago, and he says that he regularly still gets calls from people saying, "Hey, am I the twenty third caller?" <laughs> <laughs> and it's gotten to the point where it's really irritating him. Sure. Uh, so, we we set up our our a microphone through our pedal board or through Mike's pedal board specifically and uh, set that up through Skype and then set that up into Pro Tools so that we could record you know both Mike talking through the pedals and the person on Skype talking yeah um, and so Mike was like calling all of our friends and just like lots of people that we knew and like just doing these prank calls in the style of this guy Longmont Potioncastle from Colorado who does just fantastic he calls it surrealist audio art like they're prank calls but they're bizarre and amazing oh awesome um, we're gonna have to check that out oh yeah we should listen to some of that while we're out on the oh, road if you it's have some a of great it, way to pass the time yeah uh, fucking hilarious so you know we were trying to do we were calling all kinds of people and like none of them were turning out funny and it was like ah oh, crap but then we called Brian and we called Brian like 14 times while he was at work and he didn't answer any of the times <laughs> And then, like, when he answered finally, once he was off work, he just, like, unloaded. He was so pissed. Because we'd been calling him all day. All day, someone was going on. And he was, you know, it was clearly like, what the, what the fuck? I'd Who's be, calling I'd be me? curious. I give telemarketers no mercy at this point. <laughs> Cruel. Even though, like, I do prank phone calls all the time, like, whenever someone calls me, I'm so angry about it. <laughs> so, so he answers the phone, and, and he's just immediately hostile. Like, Mike's like, would you have a beer with my friend? <laughs> It's just, no, I would not like to go down and have a beer with you. That is not something I'm interested in doing. Mike says, am I the 23rd caller? And then he fucking just gets obviously so pissed, just like, oh, God damn it, it's one of those the lunch things again. <laughs> and, uh, That's a know. perfect scene to track down. That's <laughs> so fitting. So he just unloads, just like, well, how about this? Put my size 13 boot up your ass, buddy, you know? <laughs> Just like screaming at him, and it, it's it's so funny. This Every, dude's from Olympia. This guy lives 
Uh, oh shit, I don't know where he lives. He lives in Philly. Okay. Um, oh wow, so he's close to us. Yeah. Did you guys grow up with him? No, so he's another part. So, like, uh, the way that me and Pete originally met is through this, like, tablature forum um, that existed called Tabit that nobody uses anymore. Uh, which I know people that still do. Actually. I mean, people use the, the program, but oh, the, but forum, the forum. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, like, you know, we all, like, kind of grew up like writing music together over the internet and like critiquing each other's stuff and kind of growing off of each other's that's compositions awesome. that's and an like, awesome like music community to have and, and yeah it was pretty small there were only you know really there's like there were probably 150 like real members and even like maybe 50 that were like regular posters you know and we all like really got to know each other on like pretty personal level sure uh, as time went along you know this was like back in 2003 was when I first joined wow um, yeah. you know and uh, oh yeah so so Brian is another member of this forum um, and uh, yeah we just I don't yeah, know we always clown on him yeah <laughs> fantastic <laughs> he's he's he's, not, he's like good about it you know he's he doesn't like get pissed off like really you know That's he good. likes being a part of it yeah I think the fr- yeah, it's always that love hate the friend who we do it to, one time he seriously went off on me, but that it hasn't happened in like ten years, so I just kind of kept doing it about like giving his phone number out. Uh-huh. So we used to like write on on demo CDs that we would hand out. <laughs> we made like a rap hate song about him. Uh-huh. It's really fucked up. Like it's very cruel. It brings up a lot of bad things about him. <laughs> <laughs> and um, we give his phone number out in it like two or three times. Nice. And then um, on one of the bands I'm in at the end of our last track. You hear me dialing his number, <laughs> and he picks up, and then the next song stuck starts with the lyrics "fuck you," because the rap song we made was called "fuck you Miles," which uh-huh. is his name. So it's it's fun to you know play the pranks. His phone number is seven three two six four six six four five six. Call now. Twenty third caller wins a prize. Alright, so I wanted to play a song from uh, the Lunch album. What I'll do is, like, when I upload this, I'll drop a song in, uh-huh. and that's how we'll close it. And I'll probably, after that, I'll play the prank phone call guys. Oh, cool. Stuff, too. So what's a song from the Lunch album that uh, you'd want to play on here? Um, let me think for a second. I think my favorite one is Bison Transit. It's okay. like the closer, you know, we have, like, one last kind of mellow track, but, like, that's kind of the, the, the peak of, like, the album in my mind. Awesome. Cool. All right, so we'll get that started, and then we'll play... What was the prank phone call guy's name? Uh, his name's Brian. That track is called... Uh, oh, I mean, uh, the dude from... The guy who did the art... Oh, Longmont Potion Castle. Okay. Uh, yeah, I could give you some suggestions as to some choice tracks from him. Okay, cool. That, that are uh, kind of in the same vein as what... Because he has kind of a, 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 a... I don't know, a variety of different things that he's done nice. as that. We'll put it on in a bit, too. Sweet. <laughs> I definitely want to hear that. That sounds fucking fantastic. Yeah, Mike's got it on his phone, so... Cool. All right, man. Well, thanks for doing this. Yeah. You're welcome. As long as the audio is uh, permitting, we'll get it online. But <laughs> we'll I, it's see. been showing up fine, so... Yeah. And the sun is coming up in probably 15 minutes. It's pretty light out, so... That's my guess, at least. It's a good way to spend an hour and a half. Yeah. <laughs> it's a That's fun. Yeah. Hell yeah.
Yeah. Twisting shows. Hi, how, how you doing? doing? Pretty good. How are you doing? Super. Um, I was looking for that um, that R&B single. Who? The R&B single. It's like trick, triple check, check, double check, triple check, check, triple double check, trip, triple double. You don't know what it's called? Triple double check, check, triple double double check, triple triple check. Double double triple triple check triple double double check triple double double check triple double double check double double it's like that. Okay, hold on. Otis King, I think. Excuse me. I think it's by Otis King. Otis King. Yeah. Okay, hold on. It's like it's like triple double flip from a couple double chip double chip double trip double triple chip. It's like it's like triple double flip from a couple double chip. Double chip, double trip, yeah. double chip, triple double flip, double couple double. Chip. So I was wondering how late you're open to. Triple chip, triple chip. Like, like... Hello. Yeah, how late you're? How late you're open? We're open till ten. Ten p.m. Ten p.m. Ten p.m. Right. Do you want me to check on that album for you? Um. Do you have anything by Dugan Nash? Can I ask you what you're checking through? Yeah, hello. I've got some kind of some kind of interference. Okay, yeah, we can barely hear you. Okay, now I'm talking about Dugan Nash. Okay. Can you spell the first name? Nash. Okay. Hello. Yeah. Okay, I can barely hear you. Is there any way you can? We're getting really weird in for interference. I can there is, that's not understand barely anything you're saying to Dugan me. Dugan Nash. Okay, can you spell Dugan, please? D U. And they do that one song that's like a. Uh, Double flip, double triple flip, flip, triple check, triple flip, double triple triple flip, triple check, double flip, double triple. They do that one song that's like uh double Nash. Um it's not an artist. They do that one song that's like uh double Okay, I Hello? Yeah. I'm here. Hello? Yeah, I'm here, young lady. Okay, I I'm sorry, I'm not trying to be rude, but I mean I'm getting this really weird information. Interference, and I can barely understand what you're saying, and it keeps cutting off in okay. the middle of when you're talking. Let's to try me. again, Dugan. Okay, I already, Nash. I, no, I, I already, I already looked up Dugan Nash. Okay, but I let's I'm, try again, Dugan Nash. Okay, I I just looked it up, and I'm not seeing anything in our system by Dugan Nash. How about Orville Sash? Orville Sash. Yeah. How about Orville Sash? How about Orville? I'm sorry? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. I'm getting like feedback. Uh, your voice is echoing. Um, <coughs> I don't understand. I really don't. Well, I, and I'm, I'm not, not trying to, you know, poke fun at anything. Well, no, I'm. I'm <laughs> sir? Yeah, okay. I'm here. Okay. I can. Orville I, Nash, right? Yes, I looked up Orville Nash and I could not find it. Nash, 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 Nash,